Have you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy it. Let's do it. All right, y'all. This is it. We're doing this. It's real. It's happening for everybody. This is Open Bar Talk, episode 32. Uh, Very excited uh, to introduce our guest in just a brief moment. Uh, Before I do that, uh, I'd like to tell you where you can find this show. Uh, You go to Open Bar Talk uh, on Instagram. That is a good place to find me and the show. Uh, If you want to email us, openbartalk at gmail.com. Uh, every Thursday, I drop what I call saucy stories. Uh, these are the stories from my fucking wild drinking days. Uh, they pop up every Thursday on Open Bar Talk's uh, Instagram page. So please go ahead and uh, link up with that. Uh, you know, if you want to find me personally, I'm at Jim Search on all social media. JimSearchComedy.com is a place to go. Um, if you want to find the show uh, uh, across the podcast streets, uh, you can find it anywhere. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, you know, all the, all the places you get your pods, you can get this one there. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, super important that you all do that so that the streets can find it. And the more people that find it, the more people that listen. And then the downloads go up. And then I can do this for a living and I never have to look back. Uh, that is the plan. So. Now that I've gotten that all out of the way, uh, I am very excited to introduce uh, our guest uh, on this episode. Very funny dude. Uh, when I put out the uh, when I put the bat signal up in the air uh, for bartenders to uh, do the shit, uh, when he uh, uh, chimed in, I was like, delighted. Uh, you know, a friend of the neighborhood, a very funny human being. I'm very pumped. Max Fine. How are you, sir? Hey, 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 Jim. Oh, this is so nice to be in. Are we in your studio? Everybody knows this is remote, right? Yes. You, you are virtually, Hell yeah. you're virtually oh, in man. the building. Hell yeah, dude. It's beautiful here. I love being here. This is great. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like you have the comfort of your home. However, you're at my studio. I was about to say this couch feels very familiar. Yeah, it's almost as if like you are at your house. That's how accommodating I am to every guest. This is a, this is how podcasts have to go from now on. I don't want to travel ever again to do a podcast. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be brutally frank. Uh, uh, you know, I really think you know this is you know for y'all who are listening. Uh, you know, we are in the grips of one of the yeah. shittiest times uh, of late. Uh, that being said, uh, people don't. Uh, uh, go around and travel a lot and it has revolutionized a lot that comes with uh the podcast world and i you know i see a lot of uh, uh that happening uh in terms of how we're doing these um right that being said you and i are two blocks away from each other <laughs> yeah Which, uh, we uh yeah you're right you're right yeah you know what uh, i mean yeah. i ain't trying i ain't trying to come check you uh yeah. you know you are too far away um, but no, I really do think that we are going to see a massive overhaul when it comes to this sort of thing. Uh, but you know, it is a uh, sign of the times, man. Uh, yeah, man. So 
you know, without uh, any uh, further ado, you know, this is a show dedicated to the world of bartenders, and I was very excited to hear that you have been behind the stick. Uh, and oh, with yeah. that all being said, uh, you know, tell us about it. How did you get into the world of bartending? I mean, I started... I, I, so I started in fine dining, right? I was a server's assistant when I was like 15, 16. Uh, and then I started bartending in Georgia when I was 18, which you can technically do. You probably shouldn't, uh, <laughs> but, you know, because I was like 18 and they're like, you can't really try the wines or whatever. And it's all fine dining. And I was like, I, yeah, I know, but here we go. And so I'd be 18, like, no, you're going to want to want, you know, this, this dry white wine, which at the end of the day, I had no idea what I was talking about. But at the end of the shift, everybody from fine dining restaurants always goes to the shittiest dive bar next door right. and just starts to get hammered drunk. Right. So I was like 17 when I started drinking in bars. And by the time I was 19, they were like, why don't you just come work here? Uh, and that kind of led to me being like, ooh. Hell yeah, I can go into work at like 6 p.m., leave at 5 a.m., and just work at shitty dive bars forever and make more money than I ever did in fine dining. Right. It was the most fun thing in the world uh, until it's just, you know, I think it's funny at like 21, I was like, damn, I think I've drank too much already. <laughs> and I was, you know, or like, fuck, I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done this much cocaine. I'm, I'm 12. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's just, it's a weird thing to find yourself doing when you're that young and burnt out on it. And then I went back to bartending in fine dining, uh, which that's where all the money is. If you get a good restaurant that you can make a lot of money bartending and you only have to work like seven hours as opposed to 12. Right, right. Uh, and it's, and the tips are better because everybody has money. But, at the end of the day, that was still less sustainable, and I wound up back in dive bars because it was more fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think, you know, uh, it, to your point, it's like, yeah, fine dining, people are going to have money. Uh, but I don't know how much uh, – I, I don't know what good a story you're going to get out of uh, the world of fine dining. Oh, man, there are so many. Because the, the thing you forget about fine dining – sorry. Yeah, the thing about, like – Fine dining, someone's hiding something if they bring a date in to the bar at a mm. nice restaurant. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if somebody's at like the shitty – so I worked at – I won't name the name of it uh, because for whatever. But I worked at a really shitty bar in Atlanta uh, that kind of got away as being a food establishment in, you know, air quotes. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, they would be open till 3, 4 a.m. And then they'd have, you know, what they called private parties where they'd just stay open till 6 Mm. And it would just be, you know, industry people getting trashed and nobody's hiding anything at a shitty bar you can smoke cigarettes inside of. But when someone brings a date to a fine dining restaurant, and they don't get a table. That's always like, ooh, ooh, you are cheating on somebody's cheating on somebody. Right. And it's usually someone with money. And that's what gets really fun to watch what they order. And also, I think, you know, I would imagine in those sorts of situations where like, uh, they bring a date. It's like a fine dining uh, experience. It's like they both kind of look the part, you know, like totally. They have the vibe and the energy of just like, you know, we are, we're, we're trying to fly under the radar and, uh, you know, but yeah, coming here at the same time. So it's like, yeah, you know. it's, and it's Atlanta. So like it's fine dining in a city where it's a hub. So you get a lot of, uh, 
a lot of people go into hotels after. Mm, and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you get a lot of uh, celebrities that would pop in and it's like, ooh, this is not your beautiful wife. Uh, and, all <laughs> of- and it's always fun to see shit like that. But then if you're at a dive bar, it's like, all right, you know, the fun here is watching someone, you know, break a glass right. and threaten to fight somebody. That's fun and exciting. Whereas, you know, I got to keep the uh, got to keep everything checked when this person's potentially going to give me a two hundred dollar tip. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't cut loose uh, in the fine dining universe, whereas in the dive bar space, yeah, things can go uh, super left, uh, super quick. Uh, oh, fine. so you know that being said, man, you know, uh, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the, some of those crazy times that you had uh, working behind the bar. Yeah, man. So Atlanta, I don't know if they do this everywhere, but in Atlanta, they would call their house beer, you know, like uh, they would give their house beer again in air quotes a name sure. and it would always be high life, right? It's just high life or whatever shitty cheap beer they can get away selling for a dollar because you can get a beer and a shot in most bars in Atlanta for four bucks tops. Oof. And yeah, dude. And so every time what happens is every bar has got their shitty dollar beer and then they've got their $3 house shots, which is always like grain alcohol and just some like either pickle juice or Gatorade powder, whatever they want to mix into it. So mm-hmm. for like 12 bucks, people are blacking out in the city. Uh, one of my favorite things, Atlanta kind of had I, – I bartended in a weird spot where towards the end of it, it was starting to get pretty heavily gentrified. So you get these people that, you know, these real yuppie rich people that are like, ooh, we want to be like the people and go to this dollar beer bar in Atlanta and see what it's like. What they don't realize is a lot of the people in there are packing heat. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's I mean, it's a uh, you can carry, I mean, in in Georgia, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to in bars, but people do. (laughs) It's, you know, it's not something that you really think about. And it wasn't like some sort of – Atlanta was weird where I bartended because it wasn't like a racially, uh, like, segregated area. It was just poor people, right? So you'd have these truckers that are long-haul truckers that are also strapped sitting next to a dude that is, like, shooting a rap video. Mm -hmm. And all's well and good. They don't give a shit because they're both just there to drink and they just want to, you know, whatever. And they're by the end of it, they're going to be trashed having fun with each other. It's the rich people that come in and fuck things up. It's the rich, it's the rich so people you said? One, every time. Right. Every time. So it was a bar you could smoke cigarettes in and uh, this wealthier couple sits down and it was – this like group of truckers on one side and it was just this one quiet dude. That's usually pretty quiet on the other side. And, uh, he lit a cigarette in this wealthier couple, you know, asking to put it out. And, uh, the guy was like, nah, I mean, it's, I could smoke in here. Right. And they tried to get my attention. And I was like, well, you know, Hey, he can smoke in here. Also, he comes in here every day. I've never seen you. Right. Uh, and I don't give half a fuck. And they were, so they said something like, look, if you get him to put the cigarette out, you know, we'll make sure to take good care of you. And the trucker on the other side is the one that broke the glass and said, hey, <laughs> we don't know who you are. I know him. I don't know you. I don't know you. And then uh, the bar, the other bartender was like, I was pretty new at this point, like six months in. 
Uh, but the other bartender kind of like pulled me back. He was like, they'll work it out on their own. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what happened was the real quiet guy with the cigarette, uh, he put it out just to show that he would. And the trucker guy got real upset at that, too. He said, no, you don't have to put your cigarette out for nobody. Mm. So <laughs> basically, long story short, these wealthy people leave. But then we've got to deal with the other people in the restaurant that saw this trucker guy break a glass. <laughs> uh, and, and we had to kind of pretend like it was like, oh, this fucking sucks. we got to get him out. But we had this killer back patio. And we just brought all the truckers out and we got them shit canned for free for the rest of the day. Because oh, this was early. It was like 2 p.m. Uh, and they probably left around midnight. Holy to shit. Go, yeah, to probably go long haul trucking, which wasn't the best idea. No. But, you know, worst case scenario, there are hotels everywhere, dude. Yeah. I mean, and also, like, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like you're in a truck, and if you're hammered, it's like, well, now that's between you and God. I think like you're really, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is between you yeah. and the big man as to whether you're going to make it or not. Not only that, those dudes were karmically great. So I'm sure they got wherever they were going. Mm-hmm. And also I would venture to say, and not that this has any, uh, uh, bearing or, uh, 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 indication as to the skill level. Uh, but like if you're, I'm assuming if you're a long haul trucker, this is not the, first time that you've been fucking hammered doing your job in fact i would say probably not the last definitely i mean like i've known a few guys that you know did long all truck driving they're like yeah we don't really drink them we do a lot of cocaine (laughs) a whole lot of blow whole lot of cocaine so i'm sure those dudes found a way to level out before they got where they were going anyway to get to get even before they uh before they get out yeah dude to get, well, to you got to get right with God and you got to get right with your sobriety, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are, you know, this is two things that happen every time you drive a truck. So, yeah, oh, for sure. So now you are, uh, so you're six months in and this, like, shit show takes place, right? What, yes. Like, were you, well, I mean, what was your kind of, like, after the shift where you're like, is this, like, what this is going to be like every time? Like, what was your reaction well, so, so you got to remember, this is two in the afternoon. Uh, <laughs> it is, it's not like, oh, cool, I've got, you know, one shift left. And then I, you know, it's like I was working a double. So I was like there until probably I probably left around 430 in the morning that day. If I got in at noon. Yeah. So that meant by midnight, I start drinking with the rest of the staff and the people that are in the bar. Right. And, uh, you know, so around two o'clock, I bring it up to like one of my buddies that got me the job. He was like, oh, that guy, that guy comes in here like twice every, you know, three or four months and starts shit. We just kind of let him hang out in the back when he gets rowdy. And that guy wound up coming in for the next year that I worked there. And it was the best. Oh, he would start every time. It was never as aggressive as breaking a glass or anything like that the first time. But he would definitely give people a hard time when they were in there. If they uh, if they had something to complain about, he had something to complain back at them with. Mm. So you had like a, a built in uh, built in bouncer, I guess. For uh... I I would call him more of a guardian angel <laughs> bouncer. You know, this guy just showed up when we needed him. Mm. Okay. 
You know, he may not be there when you call, but he is always on time. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that, we had a, we had a few guys like that uh, at that bar. Mm-hmm. Because it's just you know, sorry, I didn't mean to burp. Uh, no, you're good. But that's one of those, you know that's one of the best parts about working in like I don't I really hate the uh, idea that you can create a dive bar. That really doesn't sit well with me. Uh, there are a few here in Brooklyn where I'm like, it's in the name, dude. That's not a dive bar. It's right. I feel like to make it a dive, it's got to have the character of the neighborhood and the people. Oh, it's got to have people, you know. And that's that's the thing that I liked about the bars that I worked at is they weren't just like, you know, fit to fashion dive bars. They were that way because that was kind of the, the face of the people that lived in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once that started to change, like you could definitely feel it in Atlanta where like people would start moving in and there was like not aggression, but there's definitely disdain for anybody that like came into these restaurants to kind of, or not restaurants, bars to kind of just peek in and see what it's all about. Right. It's like, you know, some of us don't have anywhere else to go. And this is our last bastion of, a uh, yeah, of a place to hang out, man. Uh, yeah. Now, like, so you, so how long were you in your first gig for? Uh, first one was, I was there for about eight months, no, nine months. Then I went to a place that I was at for about a year. Was then it, I worked at, oh, was, sorry, go for it. I was going to ask you, uh, was, so was the next place you worked, that was a dive bar as well? Yeah. So it was kind of like this, the whole neighborhood that I worked in, it was like, it was never like bad blood to leave one place to go to another bar in the neighborhood. Right. It was like, we kind of there and everybody knew each other in all the bars. So it was just kind of a constant trading of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked a few places more than once, you know, like it's always, that's, that's probably my favorite part about the restaurant industry. It's like, it's not like an office job where people are like, what the fuck you're leaving or what you have something better to do. Mm-hmm. It's when you, when you leave a bar or any restaurant industry job, it's generally like, especially if you're going to another restaurant or bar, People don't care. They don't think you're trying to fuck them over in any way. It's just like, oh, you need a change of scenery, probably because someone in here has a drug problem and you got to get away from them. We'll see <laughs> in six months. You know, it's like, right. There's just, that's the best. That's what I like about it. It's not like you ever feel guilty when you leave a place there in the restaurant industry. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like it has a very uh, familiar, uh, familiar vibe in that, in the family sense. Right. Um, so when you, so you get to your second gig, right. Um, and you're, you're how, so how was that? Like, did you, do you have any, uh, any crazy experiences out of the second, uh, second run? Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple, but nothing that was like violent. The fun was like, this was a bar that, um, I don't want to call it a party bar, but it was a party bar. Okay. So it was the kind of it was the kind of place that you know on the weekdays it was pretty, you know, up, things were going on all the time, but on the weekends it was just like you'd regularly have the police in there checking for bus and things like that. Right, right, uh, right. You know, that was kind of the spot where we were at. So it wasn't that uncommon for me to be like pouring a beer and just be the yearing in the back or something like that. And you just kind of get used to it, especially like when the owners and the managers are going to happen. We know what kind of place we are. We know like 
And then I think people were selling heroin around the neighborhood. I don't think that was in our bar at all, but like Coke was huge at this spot. So yeah, it was the kind of place where there was a line for the bathroom. uh, And there were like eight stalls. And there were what? How many stalls? There were like eight. So there was plenty of space. It was just people going into one to do blow. Gotcha. You know, and it's, it, it was the kind of thing where we didn't, we did, in no way were we like, yeah, hey, do this or whatever. But it was one of those things we kind of knew going into that bar that that's what it was. It mm-hmm. was just a hot spot for that. Gotcha. Um, so you get to handle things differently. Yeah. So you, you, it's, you don't get that like freak out of, oh shit, this guy just broke a bottle and he's going to fight somebody. It's like, fuck. There are the cops. We know someone in here is holding. We don't know who, and we just kind of have to do our best, like to be cool about this. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't uncommon to just shut down the bar for a couple, like an hour or so, while the cops would like check out everybody that worked there and everybody that was a patron there. And like for the most part, that was one of the few bar jobs I've had where the staff wasn't big on blow. Interesting. Uh, Everybody else yeah. who went there was. Yeah, and I think that, that kind of had something. To, like, I, I was never a big Coke guy. It just wasn't my favorite thing. But I think that working there burned a lot of people out on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's the same way. Like, some of the best bartenders I know are sober now. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, I think at a certain point, not that these guys were selling Coke. But I think at a certain point, you kind of get, you can't, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, no party is. And it's like, I would think, you know, in this sort of vibe and dynamic, it's like, you know, how many, you know, like Coke loses its allure when someone comes up to the bar and they're a mile a minute and they're agitated and you're like, oh, fuck this guy. Like, that sort of yeah. thing, right? Where it's like, this is not a fun, this doesn't look fun at all. No, and it looks even worse when you're a fucking guy trying to get a beer and the bartender's like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And it's like, that's even worse. Yeah, right. I can handle, uh, yeah, I can handle a coked out dude that just wants, you know, a shot and a beer. But man, working with people when they're on blow is the fucking worst. It's you're never fast enough. They're never right enough. It's always, <laughs> it's just like, it sucks. It's a, it's a nightmare. It, you're never, what was it? You're never fast. Enough. Yeah. They're never right. enough. They're never right. Enough. No, it's true. It's like, Hey, you're loading the dishwasher the wrong way. It's like, no, I'm not dude. I yeah. know where these fucking glasses go. I know what I'm doing. You're just high out of your mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I can't, uh, I, I, can't imagine what that must feel like to be in that sort of world. Well, I bet you can. So have you ever worked in retail? I have, yeah. Okay. You ever close the store? Yes. You know the guy that wants to get – it's like stores close at 9, so it's 9.40. This dude's pissed. He wants to get out the door. And then you've got that manager that's like, no, 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 you didn't reset everything the right way. Visually, this is incorrect. That's the Coke guy. That's the guy that is setting up the fucking decorative shot bottle, shot glasses on the bar so they look nice. The next day, it's like, nobody fucking cares, dude. We got to go. Right. We've got to go. The sun is coming up. I'm tired of this. And I cannot I cannot be here any further. This is, this yeah. is not what I want. 
Oh, no, man. Dude, and it's like it's also you keep doing coke, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, this is not helping the situation in any way, shape, or form. I mean, in fairness, I do think that I think that this specific coworker I'm thinking of would have disinfected the fuck out of any bar during the time of COVID, and it would have been spotless, no doubt. Uh, but holy shit, is it frustrating to go home with the sun coming up every day? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the hard part, I think, uh, in the, uh, world of like working that, I guess, whatever you want to call it, second shift or third shift. Yeah. I think it kind of bleeds over. It's like uh, second into third. Yeah. yeah I was going to say it kind of bleeds from second into third. Um, so it's all kind of one and the same. Um, so now let me ask you, uh, you've seen, uh, you know, we were just uh, backtrack a little bit. You saw the guy, uh, the trucker, break a bottle in uh, in effort to uh, to yeah. right the wrong. Not even to. I don't even think he was going to do anything. I think he liked the appeal of being the scary guy, right? Sure. Yeah. Just of course. Like, yeah. Um. That. But that sorry. Go sense. ahead. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like you know, I got to stand up for my boy Ken. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to do it yeah. with this bottle. Uh, yeah. Now, have you seen actual fights during yes, that time? And, yep. And I also saw – I never saw guns fired at each other, but I saw a lot of guns pointed at each other. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Talk, talk to so, us. So, uh, you know, I left – that was the first bar uh, I worked at where that happened, the bar the, – the bottle fight. I went back to work there like six years later. Not six. Yeah, maybe five or six years later. And at that point, it had turned from kind of the secret was out, right? That beer was cheap and shots were cheaper at this bar. Right. So it became a very um, – it was a weird thing where you get a lot of college kids that are like, oh, shit, we can drink super cheap and they're not going to cart us here and we can smoke cigarettes inside. That rules. You'd get a lot of people in Atlanta that like – had money but weren't rich but were like oh we can go fucking party here for like 25 bucks five of us can get shit canned and we can just party all night and that's what this bar was right so something that kind of happened was um did you ever have scout mob scout mob this might have been in i think it was spread out through a few cities but it was kind of like the original version of uh one of those rewards apps Okay. So you go to a website and you click on this coupon and that got you a free, you know, beer at the bar I worked at and that would get you in the door. Okay. So we did this promotion and the problem was, yeah, one free beer is a dollar. Nobody realizes how cheap it is until they get in the door. So everybody's getting bombed. This specific week when we did this promotion, it drew everybody in the city. So <laughs> we had... A couple of, uh, you know, local rappers that okay. came in and uh, some of them are, are more well known than others. Right. And it was always a party. It was always a party. When those dudes left, it was the people that kind of showed up when they heard something was going on mm -hmm. and they'd get shit canned and they'd kind of start showing off. And, you know, one thing would lead to another. All of a sudden I'd hear screams and on the other side of the bar, someone's got a gun. And I don't know if. You know, I don't know if it's loaded. I don't know what's going on. But then this other guy pulls out another gun and they start like yelling at each other and screaming at each other and all this shit. Uh, we had one guy that worked there. He was a server. 
who was also a local rapper who was able to fix the situation. He was able to be like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck is going on, guys? Right. But that I I think that kind of just maybe has more to do with, you know, growing up in Atlanta, maybe. Because, like, I think about it now that I'm saying this out loud, I realize, like, yeah, people pulled guns in my high school, too. I don't think this was necessarily as big of a drunk thing, but it might have been. It probably wasn't helped. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen alcohol be a great uh, mood stabilizer. Uh, Neither have I. Now that I'm I'm saying all this out loud and I'm like, there's no way this helped. Uh, Not at all. But it's also like, you know, it was the kind of bar that. I, I really stick to this whole like neighborhood thing with it because it was like the kind of thing where you could smoke cigarettes inside and if somebody lit a joint, no one's going to say anything. You know, it was uh, insulated, I guess. We took care of the people inside really well. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, because partially it's the tips, but at the end of the day, it's like I know almost every single one of these motherfuckers in this bar at this point. They all come in every day. It's like, you know, it's like cheers with uh, handguns. It's exactly like Cheers with handguns. Uh, it was because the thing was like, like I said, there was we had one regular who had a chair at the bar. This old trucker dude, and you know he had a gun on his hip every day that he came into the bar. Never pulled it, never anything. And his best friend was this guy we called Lieutenant Jim. Uh, oh, you're Jim too. Yeah. Uh, who was who was this hip hop? Like we didn't really. He was never clear if he was a rapper, producer, or what, but. Jim and this trucker dude would sit with each other and every now and then they'd put their gun on the bar. They both had guns and it was like, all right, hey, we're drinking tonight. Why don't you take this behind the bar? Hold on to it. Oh, my you know, God. for the most part, people were pretty cool, I guess. It like what I guess amazes me is like from what seems to be a pretty sort of like, for lack of better words, cavalier approach to gun ownership that nobody's been shot. Where you? Yeah, get. well, because uh, yeah, I know. Like, I mean, I'm a pretty fucking hardcore anti-gun dude, right? Uh, it's you know, it's not my thing, but I'm also from the south where I have seen like responsible gun ownership, sure, sure. and shit like that. You know, that's that is one of those like you know stereotypes that's definitely true about people from the south owning guns. But I think a lot of them are smarter about it than they uh, are played off as. Mm. You know, okay. these dudes were these dudes were always like, hey, we're going to get shit can tonight. We'll come back for this tomorrow. It's and, a, you know, it's like leaving your car at the bar. You're just leaving your it's, gun. It's exactly the same. They're, you know, hey, yeah, at the end of the day, both can kill people. This is true. This is true. Well, one, yeah. speci- I think one's specifically designed to do that. And the other one it tries that to is 100 percent true. Yes. One uh, one's designed but to get to point A to point B. Right. And I don't think that that's probably a normal thing. I think it was really that we had this just like neighborhood of people that we all knew. Right. And and it was like, you know, these two dudes I knew lived close enough where they walked home every night. Mm. But they were still like, hey, we're drinking. We should not have these on our person. That is and that is being a responsible person uh, in the bar, which. Yeah. You know, which doesn't happen often. I've experienced in other places. That bar was an anomaly. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about the. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these because I I loved bartending in not even quite fine dining but higher end restaurant like a, a three three or four star restaurant right. Okay. So 
everything, you know, has like, you know, uh, a beer is going to cost you. Well, in New York prices, a beer would probably be like eleven dollars. Right. So it's not cheap, but it's not, you know, it's not Budweiser. It's going to be like some mid-grade beer. It's going to cost you 10, 11 bucks. So you get a, a type of clientele that is not super rich, but not dirt poor. Okay. So they really want to show off when they're at the bar. Yep. It's right. always like, yeah, you know what I'm getting at. It's like, ooh, we want – not only do we want a skinny margarita, we want to use this uh, – we, we we brought our own tequila. It's like, fuck you. Right. Fuck you sideways. Yeah, it's like – it's someone like – I worked at a, a, a tequila place where they would try and like kind of up me on knowledge on tequila and mezcal and it's like motherfucker you don't know what i had to do to get certified to learn this shit exactly Uh, you know yeah that's the thing about that's the real difference i think between like a shit bar and you know any type of upper class dining if you're bartending is at a dive bar at a really shitty cool neighborhood spot no one's going to try and show off for you you know the most they might do is take too many shots and puke on the bar and it's like, well, you're the idiot. Who looks dumb now? But, yeah. I you don't, know, no one's going to be – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's like, yeah, if you throw up all over the place, it's like, yeah, I'm not the one who has to live with that. Yeah, and I'm also not the one that's still going to have to pay for this. <laughs> exactly. like, I'm, I don't care. You took the shot. Wherever it winds up is not on me, dog. Nope. But, you know, that's the thing. If that were to happen at like – there's a different sort of way you have to appease people when at the end of the day, their tab might be a hundred bucks as opposed to 20, mm-hmm. you know, you have to work them a little different, not work them. I really don't like saying that, but like you have to, you have to kind of put up with more bullshit. It's like, Ooh, you know, I really like this organic reposado. Uh, do you have that? It's like, motherfucker, you're looking at the bottle. I know you just read this and you've never tried it. I know that. <laughs> what? Uh... It's like, yeah, it's it's like uh, uh, you're trying to you are you're embodying showing off. You are the epitome Bro, of braggery. It's it is it is a lot of these, and I, I'm guilty. I watch them too. Like it's it's a lot of these restaurant shows that kind of I love them. I always love watching them. But it's like when you watch someone like you know every time you know there's a running thing when even when i was a server when anthony bourdain's on tv the worst people are going to come into the restaurant (laughs) that's really what it is you know it's someone got a groupon for a wine tasting class and now they want to come show that off at the low level you know three-star restaurant that's around the corner it's you know no, no sommelier walks into a bar and asks for a glass of wine the way you do Exactly. Like you're not flex. Like you're trying to flex, but you don't know how to flex on it. Exactly. And that's the thing. They're like, "Ooh, I love wine." It's like I dated a sommelier about a year ago who strictly ordered beer when we went out. It's like nobody is as pretentious as the people that think that they know more than you know a server or a bartender. Now, let me ask you: uh, Do you have of memory like the most pretentious moment you had working in the fine dining? at the bar oh yeah man i mean and it wasn't even a drink it was over a so i'm someone that likes to eat at the bar when i go out to eat uh it's easier i like it better i like talking to the bartender and generally the people that were ordering meals at at my bar it's like oh these are people i can talk to like 
they want something good to eat, but they also want to be alone or they want to talk to a bartender. It's like, these are my people. Right. Uh, I had one guy who he ordered. So we had like a duck dish wrapped in what was it? It was like duck bacon and it was really fucking good. But the guy tried to argue it was good. But the guy tried to argue that it wasn't duck bacon that was being used. And he tried to tell me that because he is from France and knows duck bacon. And I don't know. I have no idea if that's something that they uh, do in France or if they're known for their duck bacon. But I just remember like being like – I asked him. I was like, hey, man, I don't know. Is that something you all do in France? And he got so mad. <laughs> he, was, he was like – he was like, how dare you ask? I was like, hey, man, I, I get it. I'm just like – I know this is duck bacon because I have to walk through that kitchen every day when I go into the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I see what they're doing. I know this is duck bacon. Uh, and this guy took it all the way up to our head chef who – I mean a chef never wants to be talked to anyway. No. From what I understand. Yeah. you know, no. I, I worked in kitchens too. It's like I don't want to talk to this fucking dude and tell him that someone thinks his dish is fake. And that's essentially what I had to do. And this guy wound up getting kicked out of the restaurant because the chef got so angry with him. Um, and I was told I wasn't able to ask people where they're from anymore. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's, so that was that. that. Which makes it very hard to bartend. Uh, yeah, it, um, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I feel like that is kind of like the big sort of talking point, right? Of like. Uh, so how, how you get a conversation going? Yeah, man. Like, I mean, have you ever sat down at a bar, gotten a drink? The bartender's like, oh, you're alone. Maybe you're traveling. Maybe whatever. Ah, when you visiting, where are you from? Whatever. Uh, and they were joking, but I took it seriously for about half an hour before they told me they were joking. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, lots of shit like that in the tequila bar. Ah, oh, man. When tequila got really popular, the shittiest people would just come in to talk shit about the tequilas and mezcals we had. And it's like, you can go anywhere else, dude. If you don't like this, there are other restaurants. Which, like, I feel like to that point, right, where it's like you have those folks who come in who are so just unhappy with the service. It's like you can just go. Well, they're not even unhappy with the service. It's like. It's like walking into a pizza place and being frustrated that they don't serve hamburgers. Mm. It's like we do, man. It's just not. Or, yeah, I I, I see. I see the analogy drawn of like going into your dive bar and being like, you know, you don't make mojitos here. Yeah, it's like, well, we do. We just batch them and you're not going to want them. Yeah, you don't want to batch. uh, You don't want you don't want a part of our batch, our batch world there, man. Right. Exactly. No fucking way, man. Oof. That being said, I mean, I will drink quite a few batch cocktails if you let me. <laughs> I'll drink pretty much anything if if uh, yeah if, yeah right. If the spirit moves me, uh, you can trust and believe that uh, I will I will get there. Uh, so, oh. what were you gonna say? No, I'm just I'm with you. That's the thing. Like, I, I can I can find anything to get drunk off of. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, averse to it. I mean, old uh, malt liquor uh, is where I pretty much draw the line at this point in my life. Oh, grow up, dude. Grow up. There's no. not like, I love malt liquor. And that is where you and I split. 
Uh, <laughs> this is where this is the this is our proverbial fork in the road where you will go oh, left yeah. and I will go right. <laughs> uh, and I wish you the best of luck on your journey with that. I really oh, we're do. partying over here on the left, dude. Oh, I know. Oh, I've uh, I've gone left. That's the that's yeah. <laughs> I've gone left enough to know that I should probably go right at this point. In my fair life. enough. Fair enough. You know. Uh, but you know that, so thank you, Max, for, uh, for bringing, uh, bringing your tales into this world of, uh, the open bar talk podcast. Uh, you know, we're going to jump into our next segment of the show, which is questions for the guest. So every guest that comes on the show, we ask them five questions about the bartending world. And so we're going to get that going right now. So question number one. What is the biggest misconception people have about being a bartender? That it gets you laid. Mm. You know, uh, interesting point um, on the because uh, I'm you know I told you before the show. I know somebody argued with this. I know no. somebody's like, and, no, oh. not at all. Um, okay, I was what what I was going to say is is that you know on the marathon because I've been you know uh, recording a, a bunch of episodes. Yeah. On this run here, uh, but you are the second bartender uh, during this time who that is the biggest sec- – you're the second person to say that. But that is a big misconception that it gets you laid. It, it, and it, I can tell you why. Go ahead. Well, that's why we're here. Tell us. Yeah. So because, I mean, here's the – I think I think the best bartenders – not even the best. The way to make the most money is if you can set somebody up at the bar, you're going to get a fat tip. There is no better way, either that or if somebody's like planning some kind of surprise for their girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever. But if you can walk, like if two people walk out that didn't walk in together, you're going to get like a 50% tip. Right. Uh, that's And that's really what you're there for. You're there to make the money. Um, and I mean, I got a number one time. That's it. It's not like in movies, like, cause that's the thing I watch cocktail and I'm like, fuck yeah, that's what I want to do. Right. And you know, that doesn't happen. I wish it did. I would love to go to the beach. <laughs> I'd love that. I'd yeah, love that would be great. That'd but be- yeah, no, no one, uh, no one behind the bar. Well, that's not, true. I didn't get laid behind the bar. Um, not, yeah. I mean, look. Uh, you, you got to speak from your own experience and you got to speak sure. to what conversations that you probably had with people where you're like, yeah, I'm a bartender. You're like, Oh, you must do a lot of fucking. And it's like, I mean, that being said, I, I worked with a guy that it was pretty wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I was not lucky enough to, uh, he didn't train me that well. Mm, the, uh, that was a, uh, that was the seven. That's on there. him as far as I'm concerned. Well, I would think, you know, in in obvious, I've never bartended before, so I can only go off of what my conversation has been around bartending and also just being a person in general, is that, like, there's only so much that can get you to the dance. Like, you have well, to be yeah. able to go, you got to be able to dance once you're at the dance. Well, that's what's interesting about that, because I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, for me, because, like, I, when I was, like, when I was like maybe 20, I think I stopped drinking behind the bar. Fair. You know, it, it's like, it's one of those things that you're acutely aware of that you are serving someone alcohol. Right. So you talk about getting to the dance. It's like, there are a lot of people that are there to dance. Sure. 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 And I think it's like, there was always something weird about to me about any bartender that's like picking up people from the bar. It's like, Oh dog, you're getting these people drunk. 
uh, this doesn't feel great. Right. Right. It's like, I know, I know one girl I bartended with, that's how she met her husband. So, you know, sometimes it works out, Sure, but yeah. you know, it's like in general, it's, it's the same way you would treat any interaction outside of a bar. It's like, Oh, this person is fucked up. Uh, this does not feel like a good idea. This, you know, uh, same thing. It's just that you're in charge of it at this point. And you know, I, I don't know. Uh, never morals. Morals, yeah, I believe, exactly. is, what is what you're looking at. So, I mean, you know, that now that being said, I don't want to backtrack too. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I dated a girl that I met at the bar, but she came in like four times. And I think I asked her out. There, see, we, uh, yeah, that's, that's courting, right? Is it, that's the thing. It didn't feel like courting because I just stood behind a bar the whole time. Mm. I did my job the whole time. And then it just it just appeared, and that was pretty cool. Uh, well, I can it sounds it. It sounds. Uh, hey, look, yeah. if, if I could uh, pick up a date just by standing there, um, I would do that. So, uh, just do the job, and you're going to find love. That's the thing I learned most in bartending. Mm-hmm. That's not true at all. Sorry. Next question. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> uh, question number two. What's the biggest tip you've ever received as a bartender? Um, it's true because, well, percentage-wise, I got – well, I guess the biggest like exaggeration would be like every now and then, to put it to scale, you get like uh, you know 100 bucks on a $10 tab or something like that. Right. Uh, but you know the thing – it, it kind of gets muddy because when you work in restaurants, not just specifically bars, when you're bartending in restaurants and you have like buyouts and – big parties like you can make like five hundred dollars yeah you know but that's when everything's already paid for so it's like holy shit these are just a bunch of rich people that are tossing money into a jar because they have nothing else to do with it Mm. yeah i mean it's like you have those folks who are just like well i'm it's just collecting dust fuck it yeah and that's i think that's that's where the trade-off is between fine dining and dive bars right like no one's buying out a shitty neighborhood bar and saying, all right, open bar, everything's open. You guys drink what you want, eat what you want. But every now and then, if you work in like a nicer restaurant, some company like Coca-Cola would buy out some of the restaurants I worked at because we were in Atlanta. Right. Everything's paid for. So you get all these executives that are like, we're not paying for anything tonight. We're just tipping. And they get trashed and they come with a $500 bill fold. And it's like, holy shit, this rocks. And everybody's walking away with, you know, their rent. It's crazy. <laughs> this rocks. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was the best. And then you make no money the rest of the week. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. it sounds feast or famine, right? It, uh, it has to be. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. That's why. But that's what it is. Uh, it's kind of uh, where where you are and what it is. So question uh, question number three. What's your pet peeve of a customer? Ooh, uh, anybody that, so any, I don't mind when someone's like, let me, you know, you know, surprise me or something like that. I, I hate when it's without guidance. So I would hate when someone, you know, I'd be like, you know, what can I get for you? It's like, Ooh, surprise me. It's like, well, do you like beer? Do you like liquor? Do you like this? Do you like that? It's like, Nine times out of ten, I'm going to get you the wrong drink if you just tell me to surprise you. 
Right. That drives me nuts. Now, if you say something like, all right, I really like, you know, a Negroni. Surprise me with something that's kind of like that that isn't that. That I can work around. It's just the idea that I'm supposed to read your mind and know exactly what you like. You're not my friend. I've never met you. Uh, you know, it's like. I don't know you. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, if somebody's like, you know, it's the same thing I would ask. Like, this one's like, uh, surprise me with a beer. It's like, all right, well, I would always ask, do you like shitty beer or do you like expensive beer? Because I don't care if it's, you know, an IPA or whatever. It's like you either like PBR or you like IPAs. That's as far as I go with it. Uh, and that I can work with. But if you just say, like, make me a drink, it's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Come. I'll give you a glass of milk and you can leave happy. <laughs> I will give you a glass of milk and a smile. All yeah. Right. So question number four. If you owned a bar, what would you name it? Titties. <laughs> that's not true. No, that's... no. Sorry. Question five. Right. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, fair. Keep going. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Well, let's call it titties. Uh, yeah, it's your bar, it's man. Spelled, but it's gonna be it's gonna be spelled T I D D Y apostrophe S. I'm gonna make a character named Titty, who's just uh, an old mouse or something. And uh, you know, I'm hoping to get a lot of uh, thirsty dudes that are very disappointed when they walk into a very normal bar. <laughs> yes, that that's what we're <laughs> titties. It is. Look, that's Titty. what it is. That's what it is, and that's what we're doing. Hell All right. Yeah. Question number five. What is your favorite drink? I like a beer and a shot of whiskey, and I like a PBR or a High Life. I like a really shitty, shitty beer and shot because if I'm, enjoy if I'm drinking to enjoy something, rarely does it have alcohol in it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> You know, like if I'm drinking, I'm looking to drink. That being said, uh, I have a tattoo of a margarita on my ankle. I think margaritas are the most delicious thing on the planet. Uh, I have drinking them all day, and I've forgotten whole days that way, so I don't anymore. But, yeah, probably there's a margarita at a bar in Atlanta that they do it right. It's hibiscus tequila, grapefruit, lime juice, simple syrup, and a little bit of St. Germain. It's delicious. Mm, that does sound really good. It's the best, especially in the summer. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's a very summery vibe. Uh, Perfect. All right. So that is our questions for our guest. Thank you so much, Max, for uh, bringing that into our world. And now we're going to get to our final segment, which is what were you drinking? Now, this is part of the so show better. where I go into um, – I go into my Facebook timeline and I find some of the more messier posts that exist mm. out here in these streets. And it is up to you as someone who has watched someone drink uh, across any, all sorts of uh, uh, venues, et cetera, what you think these people were possibly drinking. Um, Do I get their names too? No. The names have been okay. redacted uh, clearly for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you can get clarifying questions. Uh, you know, is it a guy? Is it a girl? Uh, okay. Is it uh, uh, what time of day? Also, uh, people have asked. Okay. Uh, so just know that those. So know that that's on the table. Perfect. All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Another successful month. 
probation check. Oh, you already told. Oh, never mind. Whoa, okay. I was gonna, you got to Max, you got to let me get I through. I was the, I was so excited to be like, ah, Pino Grigio. But keep no, going. Sorry. No. I mean, yeah, man, you got to you are right. I, I what a curveball. I was going to say I appreciate your enthusiasm, believe me. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. Let's, let's uh, we'll kick it from the top. Okay. All right. Another successful month. Probation check. One more class. Motherfuckers better give me my diploma. Uh, where, where is this person located? Uh, they are located. I can give you the region of the country. Um, Fair enough. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, you are in, um, the Sunbelt. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm guessing this guy Ian J splash of soda water. Ian J splash of soda water. Yes. I love it. Uh, that's what my guess is. That's a fair, uh, brown liquor. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is, uh, there is, there's a lot of, aggr- there's some aggression involved here. Uh, they, oh, want, yeah, they want the diploma and they want it now. So, because it's not quite, I feel like Hennessy is for the diploma ceremony. But the E and J is for right before that. <laughs> Yo, that is fucking spot on. Um, yeah, dude, it's your pre henny. It's your pregame. It's the pregame to the hen rock. It's, you got to do it. You can't go straight to the head with Hennessy. That's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that. You're asking. You're asking a lot of the viewer of that. Yeah. <laughs> you're asking for everyone who's watching like you know that's a commitment that yeah. some people may not be ready to make and it's not fair of you to but ask also, them to do that but that's the thing if he's if they're drinking the hennessy then it's clear the diploma's been received mm, mm-hmm. i think that that's the thing. if you do that before people are going to be congratulating you for something you don't have yet <laughs> Yes, I mean, I think you, uh, I think you really are. You're, you're, you're not wrong for that. Yeah, dude, that's a lot of questions you don't want to answer. Uh, yeah, no, not at all, not at all. All right, that was really funny, uh, Max. Uh, thank you uh, so much for helping out with uh, what you, what were you drinking? You know, your expertise uh, in alcohol and the human character shined. <laughs> here today and we're very excited for that um and with that being said uh we're gonna get the fuck up out of here uh appreciate you for coming through sir uh do you have anything you want to plug uh before we get out of here uh instagram uh social media um, yeah just tw- twitter is at max fine one two instagram is at max fine underscore but uh that is it until you know the world comes back until the world is back up and running uh yeah we are pretty much sheltering as one should yeah um, so that's going to do it for us. Uh, you know, appreciate y'all for tuning in, uh, to another magical installment of open bar talk podcast. Uh, you know, if you want to find the show, uh, you can do that. Uh, hit us up at open bar talk on Instagram and always, of course, be sure to tune into uh, saucy stories that come out every Thursday. They're super fun. Uh, if you want to email us, you can, uh, open bar talk at gmail.com. 
It's a place to uh, reach out to us. You know, send us, send us a, drop us a line here. Uh, if you want to find the show, rate, review, subscribe uh, when you do, and I'll tell you where you can go. Uh, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts is where you can get at us. Uh, if you're looking for me personally, I am Jim Search. Uh, you can find me at Jim Search on all social media, and then you can uh, go to JimSearchComedy.com to uh, find, uh, you know, jokes and shit like that because tour dates, uh, things like that are mm-hmm. indefinitely on hold. Uh, so that's going to do it once again for us. Uh, Max, uh, appreciate you, my friend. Um, you know, next time uh, you're in the park, uh, give me go do the heads up. Uh, you know, I'm, of course uh, you saw, you saw, you saw me bring the loafers out there, man. I'm always down to go. I love park. it, dude. I love it. You know what I mean? I, uh, I'm pro loafer uh, in the park. I love a chill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A chill vibe, man. Um, all right then. So, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, make sure you put a water between each drink. Uh, always, uh, wash your hands, wear a fucking mask so that we can actually go to bars and congregate like normal people and not have to hide, uh, like we are dying. So we'll catch Peace. you on the next one. Peace.